Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to the Story Church Podcast. Our podcast features audio from Sunday mornings at Story Church in Peru, Indiana, a community on the mission of connecting people's story to God's story. If you'd like to connect with us further, check out storyperu.com. Our hope is that today's episode helps you take your next step on your faith journey. I love a good bumper sticker, don't you? Like, I feel like if I'm stuck in traffic, it's at least entertaining to see uh, a little funny saying or something along the way. Some of them are offensive, so we had to find uh, church-appropriate ones to share with you. Mostly, actually, one of them I'm sharing with you is not, so get excited for that. But I did want to show uh, just a couple of funny ones that I saw or either, either saw online or have personally experienced. Uh, this first one is one that I saw online, and it's for all the Disney fans in the room. I love when people get creative with their bumper sticker placement. So check out this picture. It's uh, Ursula up there at the top from The Little Mermaid, if you don't know. But my favorite part is down at the bottom, poor, unfortunate Kia Soul. That's amazing. If you don't know, Ursula's big song in The Little Mermaid is Poor Unfortunate Souls. And you need to watch more Little Mermaid if you didn't get the joke. But <laughs> it's awesome. So I love a good placement. Um, the next one I wanted to share with you, I actually personally experienced uh, last September. My parents typically watch my daughter Eden throughout the week, but they were on a trip. And so that put me in charge of preschool drop-off. And so this was on my first day of preschool drop-off, this random week in September. Uh, I pulled into the parking lot. We were there a little early. And so we stopped, and we were waiting, and I saw this vehicle in front of me, which I thought about not sharing because I'm like, I don't want to pick on this person. I mean, she is like a parent of one of my daughter's like, friends from school. But anyway, it's on her car, so she wants us to know, right? Th- I blurred out her license plate so you don't stalk this woman. But I was sitting there at South Creek Church, which is where my daughter goes to preschool, and I saw this, and so I'm just going to read these to you. It says, if you hit me with my kids in the car, I'll whip your dee till the cops come. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I respect that defensive parenting. Like, everybody gets that Mama Vera vibe. That's cool. But the one under it also <laughs> says, my parents said that I could be anything, so I became a beep. And I was like, oh, cool. At the church preschool parking lot like they go hard at South Creek preschool I guess I don't know but anyway she's awesome she's proud of it that's very cool Um, one more that I wanted to share with you uh, is one that I'm actually considering getting uh, just in my personal like music listening right now I'm going through this outlaw country phase so like some of the great outlaw country same nice (laughs) let's hang out that's awesome yeah so I'm going through this phase and it's about to be election season right you see the billboards popping up everywhere and all that fun and so I think I'm gonna put this one on the back of my car says, don't blame me, I voted for Waylon Jennings. <laughs> and if you don't know who Waylon Jennings is, you have homework this week, okay? That's not like an endorsement of everything he sings or did, for the record. But we'll keep going. Um, actually, before we do, I did want to tag on. Sarah mentioned the gift that you can get if you're uh, new here. Uh, but if you're here at all and Story is your church, a part of that gift is we actually do give out a sticker. And the intent is, if you want to make it a bumper sticker, it's actually a really good way uh, to just spread the word about our church and help people realize that real people actually show up to a movie theater for church. So if you haven't gotten one of those stickers, they're free. Uh, the only like fine print that we put on it is make sure you're like a kind and decent driver if you have the Story Church sticker on it, okay? If you know you're going to cut people off and give them the Hawaiian good luck sign, like maybe put the <laughs> sticker somewhere else. But anyway, those are free. And I, I, again, I just think bumper stickers are fun, no matter what, right? They're entertaining. They're kind of my kind of humor because they're like these quick little snarky quips that you can laugh about. But whether they show up on actual bumper stickers or not, uh, the truth is a lot of Christians have similar 
kind of language and similar kind of ideas that shows up in our faith. A lot of us love to have these little axioms or quick phrases that we can quote uh, that try and communicate some kind of spiritual wisdom in a memorable phrase. And uh, you saw some of them in the video. These are some of the things we're going to talk about in the weeks ahead. Uh, Sayings like, everything happens for a reason. We've probably all heard that at some point along the way. Like, it's okay, everything happens for a reason. It's meant to reassure us. Uh, We have phrases like, God helps those who help themselves. It's supposed to be this like, get it together inspiration, I guess, that we throw out from time to time. Uh, In the 80s, there was this book that came out that became a popular phrase that God is my co-pilot, that God's like with me along for the ride and so everything's going to be okay, I think is the point there. But uh, some of these phrases, they're catchy, they're memorable, right? They help shape our perspective and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I try to use catchy, memorable language from time to time on Sunday morning so that you can remember and repeat some of the things that we talk about. But the question that we have to ask ourselves and the question that I want us to ask over the next few weeks is, are all of those sayings that have kind of worked their way into some of our faith language actually true? Like, like are those sayings actually reflections of what God is like and what it looks like to follow him? Or have you ever stopped to consider the theology behind some of those bumper sticker phrases that we throw out as Jesus followers from time to time. And the reason that I want to do this is it's really important for us to get this right. Uh, Because maybe now more than ever, it is easy to sound biblical without being biblically sound. Right? It's easy to say things that sound true. And in fact, that's the power of some of these phrases. Each of these phrases has like just enough truth wrapped in it that it's like, yeah, that seems to make sense. Everything happens for a reason or you know, that, that God helps those who help themselves. That, that seems to make sense on some level, but it's really important for us to consider, does that idea actually fit in the bigger story and the bigger concept that's revealed through scripture? And, and something that I'm really big on uh, around Story Church is like, I want us to be Jesus followers who, who not only show up on Sunday mornings and do our thing, uh, but Jesus followers who are like thoughtful Christians, thoughtful Christians who don't feel like you have to turn off your brain in order to embrace faith, but rather, I think it's important for all of us to carefully consider all of the claims that we hear, whether it's about Jesus or anything else in life, that we should be mindful and carefully examine the things that we embrace in light of the story of Scripture. And that's really important because these phrases, well, again, they may seem harmless, they may seem simple, uh, they may seem helpful even at times along the way, but it's important that we get them right because these statements actually lead people into conclusions about God. These statements actually shape the way that we think God is like or or the worldview that we have about God. And and that's a huge deal. In fact, there's a theologian named A.W. Tozer, or my friend Joel, who's a pastor in Kokomo, always calls him Ah Tozer, and I can't help myself every time. Uh, But A.W. Tozer, he said this. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us that the history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion and that man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. In other words, uh, the conclusions that you and I make about who God is and what God is like shape our lives in significant ways. It it shapes the way that we engage in our faith and hopefully our faith shapes the way that we engage with one another. So it's a big deal that we get that picture of God right, even in these catchy little phrases. Uh, But a second reason I want us to to look at these things and maybe pick them apart and and maybe even replace a, a lot of them with something a little better is when we use phrases like this, we may be unintentionally hurting people or actually pushing them farther away from God. Because while these phrases, uh, I think, come from a good place, while we have good intentions when we use them, oftentimes they're still the wrong thing. 
Like we may have good intentions, but often it's unintentionally hurtful. Like, like some Jesus followers have a temptation to make really complex issues overly simple. And, and so we try and have simple answers to really complicated questions. And that's never a helpful thing. Often it's a hurtful thing. Sometimes we try and make people's complex experiences really trivial, right? We, we have this tendency to try and think we understand where people have been without actually listening to them. And, and so we give them conclusions about how they should respond as if it's just this small matter, or I mean, how many of us have fallen into this? I know I have, where we're on the other side of someone, maybe going through something difficult, and our temptation is to try and fix it in, instead of to face it with them. Because Jesus, people often show up and we think like we're the answer people, so we've got to have like the quippy one-liner, or we've got to have the way that we can help uh, rather than just facing a difficult situation with a person. And the thing is that an oversimplified faith, I think can actually be a dangerous thing. A- an overly simplified faith can be a dangerous thing because what we want to do around here at Story is we want to really clearly communicate the truth of God is while creating space for the tension and the mystery and the complexity of who God is and what it looks like to actually, like in our day, in this place, in this time, engage with that God. It's a big conversation. We want to steward it well together. So that's why we're talking about these. And for today, uh, the bumper sticker theology phrase that I want to tackle together is this. It's that God won't give you more than you can handle. A lot of us have probably heard this before at some point along the way, right? God won't give you more than you can handle. Uh, Maybe you've even said it before to other people. Uh, But have you ever stopped to think, like, why we say this? Have you ever stopped to think where this phrase actually comes from? Sometimes I think we say something like this, that God won't give you more than you can handle, as this sort of a pep talk. Like, we're trying to encourage somebody who's facing something difficult. So we're like, you got this, right? Keep going. You can handle it. Don't give up. God's not going to give you more than you can handle. And I think when we do that, we genuinely want to help people, right? We genuinely want them to muster up the courage to face whatever they need to face in life. Uh, Maybe you've even given yourself that pep talk before. You're like, oh my gosh, life is crazy right now, and I'm just trying to make ends meet, and you say to yourself, but you know what? God won't give me more than I can handle. Like, I can get through this, and I can can power through. I, I think sometimes we say phrases like this because we simply don't know what else to say in the face of difficult situations, right? Somebody maybe shares something that they're going through with you, something tragic or something unexpected, and we're like, ah, I mean, saying that's a bummer doesn't seem all that helpful, right? (laughs) Being like, wow, just seems kind of insulting. And and so we like try and grab for something, and it seems more spiritual to say something like, hey, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. You're going to be okay. You're going to make it through. This is a sidebar. It's another talk for another day. But if you know somebody who's going through something difficult right now, man, I feel so strongly and even personally have experienced that it is so much more powerful uh, rather than showing up and trying to explain a difficult situation away or trying to show up with the answer to the difficult circumstance. It is so much more powerful if Jesus followers will simply come alongside someone in the midst of whatever they're facing. If you would just give them the gift of presence rather than an answer to their problem. So again, that's not where we're going today. That's just free. But Man, I think there's something about this idea that God won't give us more than we can handle that also resonates with us just because we're all good Americans. And baked into our culture is this idea of self-reliance. Like, like we want to be people who can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, right? We want to we make it happen. We want to get through this life. And, and culturally, we love the idea of being able to accomplish things in our own power and using our own resources to get through any situation. It's this kind of strength that all of us are tempted to try and idolize and try and present forward. And we think that we should be able to handle whatever comes our way. And with that mindset, we almost adopt this like superhero, I got this mindset, right? Whatever's coming my way, it's fine. 
I got this, I can handle it. And uh, there was this illustration I, I remember from the great theologian Jerry Seinfeld, uh, where he was talking about how the male mind specifically works in this way. And so check out this clip from Jerry Seinfeld. See, because all men kind of think of themselves as like low-level superheroes in their own world. I'm not even supposed to be telling you this. But when men are growing up and they're reading about Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, these aren't fantasies. These are options. <laughs> this is the deep inner secret truth of the male mind. I'll give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Did you ever see a guy out on the highway moving a mattress tied to the roof of the car? Without fail, he's got the arm out the window holding the mattress. This is classic male idiot superhero thinking. This moron believes if the wind catches this huge rectangle at 70 miles an hour, I got it, I got it. Don't worry about it. I'm using my arm. So it's funny to hear him talk about it, right? I'm using my arm. But so many of us in life take that I got it, I got it attitude to the things that we face, like men and women alike. We're all tempted to have that I got it attitude. And while it's funny to hear a comedian talk about it, it can be really dangerous to let that line of thinking be the thing that rules our response to difficulty in life. Because all of us are going to face situations or moments where we don't got it, right? Where, where we may want to project it. We may, we may try our hardest. We may put all of our effort into it. But eventually, life is bigger than we can handle. And if your mindset is that you're supposed to be able to handle everything that comes your way in life, it can lead to a ton of shame. When you're embarrassed that you didn't have it together, right? You're embarrassed that you couldn't make it happen, and so you can shrink back and you can hide as a result of it. Often, this mindset is the thing that makes us want to isolate when we go through difficult times. Because we think we're supposed to project strength to one another, but we know that we're actually not all that strong. And so rather than being embarrassed by other people knowing how weak we are, we wall off and we isolate ourselves and we shrink back and it can lead us to being stuck in these broken patterns in our lives. And like for just a second, think about this. If the phrase is true, if God won't give us more than we can handle, if he only gives us what we can handle, what need would we have for him then? Right? If we can handle it, what need would we have for God? Like if we buy into this idea as self-reliance, then as Jesus followers, we basically just become humanists who think that it's our job to figure out life and live the best life possible where God really isn't all that necessary for our day-to-day -day existence. It, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. And so what we're going to do with the rest of our time is kind of tear that down and replace it with something that is true and something that can be freeing in our lives. But before we get there, I want to tease out like where this idea actually came from and the context that surrounded uh, this idea that God won't give us more than we can handle. And, and I think it's likely a combination of some like wishful interpretation of scripture and, and a little bit of the game of telephone that we play with scripture as it's been passed on throughout generations. Uh, but it originates from something the Apostle Paul wrote in a letter to a church in the city of Corinth. This was a church uh, full of new Jesus followers, and Paul, who planted churches all throughout the Mediterranean, was writing a letter to them to explain what it meant to really follow Jesus. And we know it now as the letter of 1 Corinthians. And uh, here's what Paul actually wrote in chapter 10. He tells this group of new Jesus followers, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Do you see the little thread of this idea that shows up in Paul's writing? 
Uh, he's writing to them, and there's this statement that's gotten misinterpreted and repeated incorrectly, and it's this statement right here, that God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Somehow over time, as this has gotten baked into our culture and baked into faith communities, that statement, I'm sure with good intentions, has somehow started to be repeated as God won't give you more than you can handle, meaning God won't give you more burdens in life than you can handle. But see those like stacked up next to each other? Those don't actually say the same thing. Like Paul didn't write, God won't give you more burdens than you can handle. He said, God won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And and there's a difference between those two things, the burdens that we face in life and temptation. Temptation is that thing that we all face uh, to do things that we know we ought not to do or to do things that ultimately hurt other people and break our relationship with God. Uh, That's temptation. But burdens, burdens are just the stuff we deal with in life because we live in a broken world. Burden is just the everyday difficulty of life that shows up whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. And, And so the difference between temptations and burdens is significant in understanding what Paul's really saying here. But another thing that's significant to understand is the context in which Paul is writing. Uh, Because again, Paul's writing to this group of Jesus followers who are basically brand new at the game. They used to be uh, worshipers at pagan temples all throughout the city of Corinth. Corinth is known for its many, many temples to different pagan gods. Uh, And so these people likely worshiped at those temples. And within uh, the temples, There was a common practice of temple prostitution, which is this real exploitative uh, practice that happened back in those days. And and so uh, the people in their old way of worship would go to these temples and they would participate in these practices. And now they're trying to follow Jesus. And and so Paul is explaining to them what it looks like to live in a new way. In fact, back in that way, the phrase to live like a Corinthian was a common phrase thrown out. It was kind of like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas uh, because what it meant was that like you were a person who was drunk all the time and had a lot of freedom sexually. And, And so Paul is encouraging these new Christ followers not to go back to their old ways not to fall back into that old way of living that they were used to. And not only that, but he's just pointing out point blank that the temptation is all around them. Like the pagan temples are still there and all their old friends are still going to him and this old way of life is still waiting for them. But in the midst of that, he says in the midst of that temptation, God will be faithful to limit the temptation to those old ways and to always give them a way out. So the statement that Paul's making here is not about God giving you or me more than we can handle. It's about how God shows up to help us when we face temptation. Does that make sense? It's a different conversation that he's having. And so maybe you're like, cool, thanks for the Bible clarity. Like, so what? Like, why does this really matter? Because I'm not a Corinthian and I don't do that stuff. So like, is it really that big of a deal to have this little language that's like maybe a little white lie about God? It's maybe just a little bit off. I mean, it's meant to help people. It's meant to encourage them. Do we really have to tear it down and pick at it so much? The simple answer is yes. It's so important that we, again, have that right view of who God is and how he shows up because it's dangerous for us to perpetuate this bumper sticker theology for a couple of different reasons. Uh, One reason is that it tells us lies about ourselves. Like if we fall in to believing this idea that God will never give us more than we can handle and then we become overwhelmed by our circumstances, it, it can make us hesitant to ask for help. Because again, we're supposed to have it together, right? We're supposed to be able to handle everything that comes our way in life. We may even start the lie, start believing the lie that we should be able to handle it all on our own. And not only does it make us believe lies about ourselves, but it can make us believe lies about each other too. It can make us believe lies about other people when we see someone else 
who's overwhelmed by their circumstances, overwhelmed by the burden that they're carrying, but we have this mindset that God will never give us more than we can handle, then we can begin to expect them to handle it on their own. We, we can begin to think like, man, they just need to get it together, right? They need to, they need to get a handle on it because God's not going to give them more than they can handle. And it can be this barrier that keeps us from extending compassion to people in need uh, because of our mindset, because of our mentality. And so we hold other people to the same unhealthy standard that we're tempted to hold ourselves. And not only does it tell us lies about ourselves and tell us lies about other people, but ultimately it can tell us lies about how to cope in this world. And all of us need to learn how to cope with difficulty in life because, again, it's just part of the equation. All of us face difficulty along the way. But when we're overwhelmed by our circumstances and if we can't live up to our self-imposed expectation that we ought to be able to get it all together, what we tend to do is we turn to unhealthy behaviors to cope. This is when we try and like check out and self-medicate, whether it's Netflix or McDonald's or whatever your like, thing of choice is to check out. Uh, all of us are tempted to do that. This is when we're tempted to isolate, right? Because we don't want people to know that we don't have it together, so we're like, I'm just going like, to lock it up and draw back and hide away. This can be the thing that makes us become workaholics. If you're like driving to achieve and, and you feel like you're supposed to have it all together, you're supposed to be able to handle it all, man, it's so tempting to just work and work and work some more. And in your head, you tell yourself like, I'm going to just work till the next deadline. And then another deadline shows up, doesn't it? And on and on and on it goes. This can be the thing that leads us to ultimately abuse substances. Again, because we want to self-medicate. We want to numb out. So whether it's a cheeseburger or alcohol or a drug, like we can use these things. And, and if we don't learn how to cope effectively, if we have this worldview that's a little bit off, the consequences can be so, so dangerous. So with the rest of our time together, what I want to do is I want to actually tell you the truth. Okay, I don't believe in the bumper sticker theology that God won't give you more than you can handle. But I want to tear that down and replace it with something that is true. And at first, this is probably going to sound like bad news, okay? But the, tr the reality is it's true and it's incredibly freeing if we embrace it. And here's the truth. It's that sometimes you will face more than you can handle. Sometimes in life, you and I, we will face things that are more than we can handle. A and on the one hand, I think this can be a really good thing. I think sometimes God does the polar opposite of what the bumper sticker theology says, and God does give us more than we can handle because he wants to grow us. He wants to develop something in us. It's like working a muscle. If you've ever gone to the gym and you've tried to like, train for strength, do you know how that works? You show up and you lift stuff that eventually you reach the point where you can't handle it. Right? You either like go in and you're like, I'm going to reach the point of failure right out of the gate, or you repeat it with low enough weights until you reach the point of failure, and your muscle starts to break down, and then you go home and you eat good food and you get good rest and all that stuff, and, and your muscle starts to rebuild. And so then when you go back and you do it the next time, it's gotten a little bit stronger because you pushed it beyond what it could handle. It's the same thing when it comes to our faith. That's how muscle grows when it comes to our strength. That's how faith grows, that sometimes God calls us to step out beyond what we think we can handle so that we show we trust him and we develop a new kind of faith, a faith that's tested, a faith that's stronger. I mean, this is all over scripture. Uh, Abraham, right? Father Abraham, who is the father of the nation of Israel, ultimately. He was like the beginning of this restart that God uh, did to try and restore the world to the way he always wanted it to be. When God shows up in Abraham's story, he calls him out and he doesn't give him the full roadmap. He just says, hey, go to the place where I'm going to send you. And that's about it. And Abraham's like, uh, okay, God, I'll just like pack up my family and off we go. A and he was freaked out the whole time. 
It's why, if you know Abraham's story, like he lies a couple of times because he's terrified of what's going on and he's trying to save his own neck. He was way beyond what he could handle on his own, but because he stepped out uh, later, he's referred to as somebody who was made righteous by his faith. He stepped out and he trusted God and his faith grew as a result. Moses, who we're going to hear a lot about uh, in the form of Charlton Heston in just a few months, right, as we get into Easter time. Uh, Moses was another reluctant leader. He showed up and he, he met with God and God told him he had this big assignment and Moses was like, you've got the wrong guy. I've got a big stutter is what I have, right? Like, I have no plan. I, I have a past. Like, I'm not your guy. But God says, hey, he doesn't say you can handle it. Instead, God says, I'll be with you. So go and step out. And Moses does. And it's this incredible story along the way. Even Paul, right? Paul, who wrote the line that we misconstrued to get this idea that God won't give us more than we can handle. Paul also wrote this in his second letter to the Corinthians at the very beginning. He's spelling it out plainly to them. And he says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Like, do you see how crazy it is that from that same guy we got this idea somehow that God won't give us more than we can handle? He quite literally says, we were under pressure far beyond our ability to endure. Or in other words, we were handed more than we could handle, but God did it to show off. God did it to show up in the midst of our stories. And I don't like, want to be really careful here to not do what I said earlier and oversimplify something complicated. I think there are times in our stories where God calls us to step out in faith, calls us to, to trust him, calls us to risk something on his behalf. But if you're in the middle of a really difficult season, a, a really heavy burden that you're carrying, I'm not suggesting that it's some kind of a sick test that God has for you. Okay, I'm not suggesting that every bad or painful or difficult thing that happens in our life is the thing that God wants to be happening in our life. I think that can be a really dangerous line of thinking to walk down. I think there are really heavy and really broken things that we carry sometimes that break the heart of God too, that, that God never wanted for us and that we have to learn how to navigate together. So I'm not saying every burden that we face is a test from God, but I am saying sometimes God calls us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes God gives us more than we can handle to grow our capacity to trust him. At the same time, life is full of all kinds of twists and turns and unexpected circumstances and bad news and tragedies that show up and knock us off our feet. And, and Jesus himself actually warned us about this idea. Jesus gathered his closest followers together one time, and, and he simply said this. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Right? It wasn't like, in this world, you might run into a couple of tough spots. It wasn't like, in this world, maybe some bad things will happen. No, Jesus shot straight. And he said, in this world, you will have trouble. But in case you're worried that I'm like bringing us to land on a down note that's just like, life is hard, deal with it. Uh, there's hope in the midst of overwhelming circumstances. In, in fact, the back half of what Jesus says there, he says, in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world, because Jesus has overcome the world. And, and the reality is when we follow Jesus, the promise of following Jesus isn't that we'll escape hard times. In fact, history would show the opposite. Often following Jesus is extraordinarily costly and extraordinarily difficult if you take it seriously. But the promise of following Jesus is that when we go through hard times, we don't go through them alone. When we go through hard times, we're not left on our own. And for anybody who's here today who finds himself in the midst of a difficult circumstance, something that they're carrying 
that they can't explain, that, that makes no sense to them, that is just weighing them down and it's dominating their energy and their thoughts, here's what I want you to hear loud and clear. You're not alone in the midst of that. You don't have to be alone in the midst of that. You don't have to grin and bear it. You don't have to handle it or get over it or get through it. You're not alone in the midst of it. And what that means is that when hard times come, it's okay to admit, I can't handle this by myself and I need some help. It it means it's okay to lean on God and, and other Jesus followers or other friends who are around you who can get you through whatever you're going through. And it means that we don't have to be the hero who powers up and just gets through it all because we know who is actually in control of it all and who actually has us, right? We don't have to get through it because we know who can get us through it. We know who we trust, and that's Jesus himself. God won't give you more than you can handle is a bumper sticker saying that's not true. But the truth that we do have is even better. And the truth is simply this, that God will help you handle all that you've been given. You might have more than you can handle on your plate right now, but God will help you handle all that you've been given in life. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. And he'll see you through. And to make it like really practical, if you're like, okay, I'm like in the thick of it. How do I actually get through it? How do I actually like handle what I've been given because it feels like too much for me right now? Let me make it really practical for you. Two things that we can do. Uh, first, when we face something that we can't handle on our own, the first thing we've got to learn how to do is to depend on God. And I know that's the pastor answer, right? It's like, just have faith. Okay, buddy, how do I actually do that? Uh, what it means is we actually choose to trust God and not in like a blind faith man, I hope it works out kind of way. I'm going to shoot up a prayer like, <laughs> and hope it doesn't return to cinder or whatever. It's not just some blind trust, but it's trust that's been built upon centuries of God showing up and being with people, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. In the Old Testament, there's a, a poem written by the psalmist, and here's what he says about God in the midst of difficulty. In Psalm 41, he says, God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in times of trouble. What that means is that God doesn't abandon us in moments of difficulty, that he is ever-present, he is ready to help us, that he stands by us no matter what we have to endure. And there's this thread line that runs into the New Testament about that idea too. Uh, Peter, who followed Jesus, Peter who denied Jesus a few times and was brought back in and eventually put in charge of the whole operation of the early church, Peter wrote a letter to some early Jesus followers and in the midst of it, he says this, he says, cast all of your anxiety on God, on him, because he cares for you. He says, like, depending on God means bringing our burdens to him. And and you can cast those burdens, you can cast those cares onto God, not because God doesn't know about them. It's not like he's like, wow, you're really facing a lot. When did that happen? No, it's because he cares about you. He wants you to come to him so that he can walk with you through whatever you're carrying. And when we do that, here's what that means. It doesn't mean, like, perfect Sunday morning, smiley, dressed up, perfect prayer language you. It it, it could be that. But often, giving our burdens to God happens through tears. It it happens through anger. It happens through pain. It happens through confusion. It happens through a broken heart. And when we're willing to bring that to God, when we're willing to be honest to God, we can actually find ourselves depending on God to help us navigate through it. And as we deal with difficult times, God can become your go-to in the midst of it. The first one that you run to because nothing is too difficult for him. Man, I've been reminded of this picture uh, of what this can look like. I feel like no experience in my life has helped me get a better understanding firsthand of, of what maybe my relationship with God is supposed to look like than becoming a dad. 
And uh, my little girl is four years old right now, and uh, she unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I think inherited her dad's artistic personality. It may just be that she's four, but I never grew out of it, so I'm banking that she may not either. What that means is she's got really big feelings, okay? So like, we'll be real hot, and then we'll be real cold, and uh, like the other day, I, just yesterday, I was working on something in the house, and uh, she was jumping on her trampoline and wanted me to see the new trick that she learned on the trampoline. But I was just like walking by the hallway. I didn't see her or hear her, but apparently she had yelled out like, Dada, I want to show you a trick. I was just doing my thing. And I came downstairs a few minutes later and it was like, Dada, <laughs> like I wanted to show you a trick and you didn't even come down here and show me. And, and so like she's losing it, right? And when she's in those moments, sometimes it's big things. Sometimes it's like really silly things. Do you know what I tend to do? Do you know what we try and do when we're like meeting her in the midst of her burden, you, as silly as it may seem? We like get down on our level and, and I'm like, hey, use your words, okay? Like breathe a little bit, use your words and tell me about it. Like, like what are you feeling? What's going on? And she'll let it out. Like, I wanted to see you on a trampoline. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And, and, and you know why I do that? D- do you know I want her to tell me what she's feeling and what she's going through and what she's carrying and what feels like too much for her? Because I care for her. Because I love her. And the same thing is true about your heavenly father as it relates to you and the burdens that you're carrying. And maybe you're like, no, it is as silly as the trampoline, okay? I'm just a mess and life is crazy. That's okay. Bring it to him anyway because he cares for you and he wants you to depend on him first. But there's a second thing that we can do when we face something that we can't handle on our own. And honestly, it may be the more countercultural thing, okay? Because all of us eventually in life will hit, in, will hit something that we can't handle on our own. That, that's just going to happen. Sorry for the bad news today. Most of us, in some capacity, are willing to like, at least throw up an emergency SOS to God. Okay, it's not that hard to be like, God, the bottom has dropped out and I need you if you're there. <laughs> We've all done that prayer before. But the harder thing to do is this second thing, which is to actually depend on God through others. Because again, we want to be like good self-reliant Americans, and it's so countercultural for us to open up about our needs to other people. But that's how life is designed to work. That's how God designed the church to work. It's how he ultimately designed life to work, is we're supposed to live in community with one another. In fact, Paul wrote in another letter uh, to the church in Galatia these words. He said, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. That may not sound like a huge deal to us, because those are just kind of religious words that bounce over us. But when Paul's saying, in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ, do you know what the law of Christ is? Jesus essentially, before going to the cross, before the resurrection, all that, Jesus gathered his followers together and he summed up all of his teaching. He summed up everything that's wrapped up in your Bible in this one law. And he said, a new law I'm going to give to you, love one another, which at that point they would have been like, that's not new. We've been supposed to do that for thousands of years, but he wasn't done. He said, love one another the way that I loved you. And Jesus essentially said, if you do that, You've like wrapped up the whole game just in that one practice. If you love one another the way that God through Christ loves you. And what Paul is getting at here is that when we carry each other's burdens, we fulfill that. When we carry each other's burdens, we love one another the way that God through Christ loves each of us. And, you know, I was thinking about this personally uh, just this weekend. I ran into a friend who I really haven't seen for a couple of years, and, and we were catching up. Uh, hanging out together at an event, and we were talking about uh, some stuff we went through a couple years ago with our church, and some of you were there for all this, but we were just talking about how our church went through this big change, and and it disrupted so many people's sense of community and and so many people's connection uh, to the church and just what that rhythm looked like, and and we were talking about it, and uh, he, he surprised me because he made this statement. He 
He's like, yeah, I really felt like I was abandoned by a lot of my friends. Like that the community that he had suddenly disintegrated. And what really surprised me is he turned to me and he said, like you, like, like me, you. Like he felt like, like you, you were gone. And, and what surprised me about that is I was sitting there and I was thinking, I kind of felt the same way about him. Like we went through this thing and, and it's difficult. Anytime there's a big change in a faith community, like it can be so disruptive in people's lives. And, and we were in the thick of that and figuring it out. And, and here we both were, right, with the same need apparently. We both were like, man, we just need a friend through this or, or we need to keep that connection alive. But somehow over the course of a couple of years, both of us drifted. Both of us felt like we had abandoned each other in some way, but we didn't talk about it until years down the road. And, and you know what that reminded me of? You know what the bottom line is? I was just like, man, we need each other, right? We need people, and we need to not be what I was for two years, like tough guy, I know we got this, and we're going to move forward, and everything's going to be great, and da, da, da. that's my go-to Superman attitude, right? But rather, if we had just said, hey, this is crazy, and, and we need to like get through this together as friends, it could have changed that dynamic, because we both wanted the same thing. We just didn't have the courage to talk about it and to lean on one another. A- and as we wrap up today, like, I just want to remind you, in this crazy idea that God won't give us more than we can handle, the opposite is actually what's at the heart of our faith. That Jesus went to the cross because we couldn't handle everything on our own. Right, right? Jesus ultimately went to the cross. Here's how the Apostle Paul says it in his letter to the church in Rome. He says, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Or other translations say Christ died for sinners. And it was in the midst of our brokenness and our helplessness that God showed up in the person of Jesus, that ultimately he obeyed all the way to the cross. As we were helpless to make a way on our own, to have a relationship with God, Jesus was willing to become the righteousness that we needed so that we could be set right with God. And what that means is that we don't have to be able to handle everything in our lives to approach God. We don't have to have it together, but rather God wants us to give our burdens to him, It wasn't just like a one-time deal 2,000 years ago for your eternal salvation that Jesus went to the cross for, but rather, Jesus wants to meet you in the middle of your helplessness, in the middle of your need today, in the middle of whatever burden you're carrying right now in your life. God will help you handle all that you've been given. And that starts with having a relationship with him. That starts with inviting him in to the situation and depending on him and also depending on him through others around you. So let me pray for you, because that could be true. God, uh, this is such a tricky thing, because on the one hand, it feels true on the surface, like that you wouldn't give us more than we could handle. And and man, it just really ties into that cultural idea that we're supposed to have it all together. Uh, But God, it's so much more powerful if we can acknowledge that life's difficult sometimes. And, And God, I pray for the person in the room today for whom life is difficult right now that they would hear loud and clear that they are not alone in the midst of whatever they're facing, but that you draw near to them and that you're an ever-present help in times of trouble. And God, give us the courage to depend on you in those difficult moments, to be honest with you in every moment, Uh, whether that looks like praying and singing and celebrating or whether that looks like crying and and being angry and being brokenhearted or disillusioned. Help us bring our authentic selves to you, knowing that you care about us and you love us. And God, help us to do that with one another as well. Help us to one another, one another, and in that way, to fulfill the law of Christ, to love each other the way that you first loved us. And God, as we do so, 
may a watching world that is so full of burdens, that is so full of heaviness, find that there's actually freedom in sharing those burdens with a community who loves you and who loves them. And, and God, let this movement called Story Church grow like wildfire as we embody this in our daily day reality. We pray and we ask all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in or near the Peru, Indiana area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. To find directions, service times, and information about our environments for kids, visit us at storyperu.com.